welcome back this is impact series episode 9 which is a part 2 of our discussion about finding greener pastures outside Ghana outside Africa lots of people are making that journey because times are really really hard over here post COVID a lot of poor leadership decisions poor policies are affecting people's finances and so it looks like the best thing to do right now is to pack bag baggage and family and exit the country but is that really the best course of action let's find out in this concluding episode from where we started last week back to the, the, to the discussion about the about the insurance and the mortgage thing because these are things that we really don't understand it very well in Ghana but before then let me go back to uh, Richard Richard you mentioned work and home and all those things now let, let, let me tell you I mean I, I told you that I had a short stint over there right and what you are talking about the the what do you call it the, the when the when you have to stay indoors Charlie it no is you hey I mean I mean papa papa you know Charlie, small time you get, you, know, you are running, you are walking. I used to walk from my house in Kanishi to, to, to Dansoman, Charlie, go and visit Papa, pass here, pass there. Now you get to the place, it's so cold. You are walking where to go and do what? Charlie, so you have to sit in the house. Huh? Then you get up and I think Papa made a, a point about the Boga High Life. See, when I was leaving Ghana, I had I barely had any Ghana music on my on my computer. When I was coming back, I had over over 20 gig of Ghana music just because I Charlie... When you're homesick, you just start to play. You just start playing the music, just at least to give you some memories. I'm telling you. <laughs> but let, let, let's talk about work ethic. I mean, work ethic. Now, especially since you, you you had a chance of working in Ghana before you left, how different is their approach to work? You see, and I'm asking this question because you know, oftentimes, like Papa was saying, we see the the glory, we see the 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 glam. You know, we see the pictures and all that. You know, and we assume that it's easy over there. So, is it easy as as is portrayed on social media? And how how like what are the differences in the work ethic ethic from on, on that side versus what happens here in, in Ghana? If you are lazy, if you like to procrastinate, if you these two, if you are lazy, you you you, you want to procrastinate, and you are not um, creative. Forget about coming to work here. They don't. They don't um, like excuses. They don't um tell us no to cry, you have to go. And the, like no matter what. It's not it's not like Ghana that when it rains, people people say we can't go to work and school. Mm-hmm. I had even it even if it's snowing cat and dogs, like you have to go. It's part of them. So for example, my wife is like, I always make fun of her, like I said, hey, now, even if it's raining fire you go to work because i had the opportunity um i've been lucky this winter like because of the job i was doing i was doing remote so in the morning i when we wake up you see that it would have snowed the previous day and then we have to shovel the snow so shoveling the snow itself is another job you have to shovel the snow and make way for her car to go and then she she'll go to work so like when I came to Canada to, I had my own um, uh, kind of experience. Moving to Canada, I was a student, you know, and I didn't have a lot of information. So when I came, I wanted a job as quickly as possible. So I did industrial jobs. You would do it. You, you work in a, in a warehouse, different mm-hmm. kinds of warehouse. 
you pack packaging. I did Amazon packaging, you know, very fast paced. So they bring the stuff, we go into the truck, we load, we upload them onto the conveyor belt. We pick them according to the postal codes for, for drivers to pick them up. I've done pure industrial works. We pack metals and all that. You have to be no loitering. Break time is break time. 30 minutes, you go, you come. So with that kind, those kinds of jobs, if you are not very strong and you don't intend to, you can't do them forever. That is why I always recommend that if you are coming in here, you either come through the educational route or skilled apprenticeship. Maybe you are a plumber, you are a technique, electricity technician, you do air conditioning, cooling, landscaping, or um, construction. It's very good. So the main work ethics are punctuality, um, attention to detail, um, uh, uh, you know, physically and mentally strong at, uh, strong at work. So that is it. No, no, no excuses. White people they don't do excuses. You know this this your this your snow example. Eh? I remember. So I landed in Michigan, and and me that I'm JJC. The day I landed in Michigan, that was the day it started raining, and that day, not ten inches of snow fell. And I, 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 I'm telling you, I landed in Michigan wearing my, my regular church shoes. And they said, when you're going to approach it, you have to dress. I was wearing church shoes with leather, leather um, sole. Charlie, when I stepped out to the airport, the way I slept, I almost broke my waist, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know. Every year we sleep. We, we, we sleep. Every... I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. And then, you know, you sit in the car. First of all, the car had the, the tires, they put chains on the tires. And as you are going through the road, the, the car is literally slipping and sliding. And Charlie, I'm like, what is this? I mean, how, how can we be, be, be living here? And then every, as you're trying to go, the car is also going, like, it's, it's a struggle to stay on the road. And people are going to work. And yeah. I'm like, hey. The, the good thing about work is that, uh, not to interject, but if you work hard, the, you know, the, the rate per hour is very encouraging for even those in the menial job sector. For example, in, in, in the, some of the provinces in Canada, it's like $16 per hour for those in the menial job sector. So those who do factory jobs and other jobs that are classified as general labor or non-professional. So that is the good thing. If you, if you can work very hard, you can, you can make some money. That's what helps people. And people work hard and hard. And even, even during the weekend, they are working hard. And Tina Hanu, Ghana Fububri, you know, those in the menial sector and healthcare, you know, on Sundays, watch up for Kwanya encouraging. They won't. That is where they pay the double. Yeah, holidays and weekends. That is where they pay the um they pay more for 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 this for the per hour because some of them pay a time and a half. So people, especially the ladies, would like to take the job and go and do their care jobs. They will take they will take the shift. So that <laughs> that is the only encouraging thing. If you work hard, yeah, you get the money. But then the money, uh, but then somebody is taking the money to, I mean, and, and that's what Papa was saying. Papa, you wanted to say something? Oh, yeah. The talk say, yeah, the work hard, the day you go work hard, but how long can you do? Yes. Is it like, like what's in the talk, you know, like me like this, I, I study, uh, I study university, you know, like, you know, you for paid fees and things between my, my first degree, my master's degree, Charlie, cuts of time. I said, you tell me how to make a boy 90 hours a week. 90 mm -hmm. hours a week, seven days in a week. 
it calculated 90 hours a week, you know, like how many days, a, how many hours a day in the job? Right? 12 hours a day. Sunday, while well, we're on the Sunday, chapel, coach, and Bill's the word you did as a good chapel, Massa. And how you're funny, I'm a super cancer move. Like, build the word you, wait your school fees, and wait your BBI, and then you, so you forgot job. Where you the job? 90 hours and test, so if you feel 6 a.m., I'm bad till 6 p.m. And at 6 a.m., not like you to talk at all. You have to be there at exactly 6 a.m. to clock in. Because one clock in 6 a.m., not clock in 6 or 5 a.m. You're more demerit. Or they've, they've given you a strike. Yeah. You do that two or three times, you're fired. Next person in. So that means, Oti, like, and here, you know, they have um, all these businesses are located in zones. Mm -hmm. So normally, you see, say, the industrial zone, it's about 30, 40 minutes away from where you live. So when you car, you for take public transport. That takes an hour and a half, two hours. It's, so by so the thing we say, if you have car, thirty minutes. So if you have thirty minutes, that means uh, to get to work by six a.m. No, you for left your house no later than five fifteen. So if you take public transport, I mean, say for left your house around four a.m. We can for bus, no for train, so that. By the time I cast a clock, he will be a clock on a now, 6 a.m. Then make no other. Otherwise, yawa for you. And that's the thing we all for do. So, to refer back to your earlier message, you know, why is this? Why do we tell people it's important? Why you do you chop 38, you chop 40, 45? Right, they can't do these kind of things like seriously. Are you really sure this is what you want to use your life for, or you want to do that kind of struggle and find something that you can scale up back home and that kind of stuff? That is what so that is the trade offs, and those are the unseen things that people don't talk about a lot of times. And and here's the thing, too, like at least in the US, a lot of times your healthcare is tied to your job. Mm -hmm. more often than not after three after two six weeks you know they cut you off so then you have to go on public health and you don't qualify for public health mm -hmm. you don't qualify for public health and a u.s medical system it's very very expensive who do an insurance you know so and a lot of times, you know, in, in like people, you don't, you don't have to be young to get hit, but like people who get hit and stuff like that, you know, you see, say the bills pile up. And you say, Charlie, I'm out for a lucky with Chrome House. You know, Bob, and these things are some of the things that are locking, that are locking people up. These are the kind of things that are locking people up. But before I go, you know, to my phobia friends, I apologize. The kuma pema pema bani di woman tichale. I de beg, focus on the message and stop doing phobia. And you need draw her. Why? Yeah. All right, guys. So I mean, those those of us joining in the in the audience, I mean, you can post your questions or you can put up your hand. I'll mute your mic and ask your question if you have any. Um, as as we enter the final leg of this conversation. So like I said, if you have a question, you can put up your hand. 
I'll mute your microphone and you can ask your question directly, or you can put up your put your question in the comment section. I'll read it to the guests and they'll address it as we go along. But Papa, I'll come back to you because you mentioned you have mentioned insurance and you mentioned healthcare, which obviously is my is my area. So I, I want to find, but I'm not talking about insurance in respect of health. Let's use car insurance because that's a bit more ubiquitous. I mean, people have cars in Ghana. How different, or tell me how your car insurance system works. Is it an annual payment or a monthly payment? If you don't have insurance, what happens to your car? Do the police stop you and they'll, they'll, they'll collect one Ghana or one, 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 one dollar or something? How does it work over there? Tell me. Uh, so, here, yeah, the insurance, you know, it works different ways depending on the insurance company you have. You, know. um, you can pay it monthly. And a lot of times, you know, the insurance companies, some of them will give you a three month premium for you to pay up front or a six-month premium for you to pay up front. Um, uh, and that premium can vary. It varies based on a lot of variables. Richard, or your data analyst, so he can tell you like where you are living, the kind of car you are driving, what you use the car for. It is a know A lot of times, you know, what a lot of the insurance companies started noticing was that a lot of people were using their car for Uber and you're more likely to get into accident and other incidents there. And so all of a sudden, right now, if you are signing up for insurance, I do ask you, are you using the car for Uber or are you using it for whatever? And that kind of stuff. Um, and then on top of that, you, know, you normally have a premium that you have to pay upfront if you're doing a claim. So for example, depending on the premiums you choose and the services you choose. So for me, like up to say somebody like me, and I used to have this insurance called American Family. They covered everything. My premium, if my car got damaged or I needed to file a claim, was $500. Anything after $500, they were going to pay. That insurance, I was paying almost $515 for every three months. To every three months, it'd be an MTL $550 for that insurance. <laughs> and so I'm like, nah, this insurance is too expensive. Let me go find something else. And so right now, the insurance I'm on, my premium is $750. And then I took out to if say if I if I have an issue or I have something uh, like I'll pay $750 and then anything after that then the insurance company will pay. So that reduced my premium to about $350 for every three months. But here's the thing. About three or four weeks ago, I got into an accident with my car. Not many, many my family, my wife and kids were in the car, we got into an accident. And this is one, I, I bought a brand new car. My brand new car is on loan. Um, my, um, so I bought a car, Honda CRV, newer one. We were driving, we got into an accident and stuff like that. Charlie, the insurance company, I called them, say, Charlie, we'll be tow car. And they're like, we've only towed the car 50 miles. And 50 miles is nowhere. So if they tow the car, or where I live, you know, they're towing it further into the village or the bush. I look at the people who are going to fix my car. I'm like, nah. Yeah. And the insurance company is like, then you have to pay for that. I'm like, no problem. Because I had taken out rental insurance from it, you know, that means yeah, until I, if I don't have another car, I can rent a car, the car insurance of, and a car of my own. I'm on my own. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, you just give me, just give me money so that I'll buy a new car. They did their calculation. They're like, Charlie, your car is worth $30,000. They insurance comp the workshop is telling us they'll they'll fix your car for twenty thousand dollars we would rather have them fix the car than give you thirty thousand dollars because for them though no. so they are doing the cost benefit analysis they always want to yeah. cheaper option for them so like those are like i'm giving you that example to say this is the 
these are the decisions you make when you're choosing the cost and what you want to do. And then these are the implications later. Now, my, my insurance is comprehensive. I know a lot of people who have liability. If you have liability, yeah, bum, you're on the hook for a lot of this, especially if they say, say the, um, the accident or the claim is your fault. And a lot of times, you know, in accident, was a challenge, me, pay me. So I know cause with which me had claim and that kind of stuff to help with that kind of stuff. And on what friend insurance fraud. A lot of people do it, but like me, like this, I I I don't really feel that it's too much work because I have other things I need to do. So I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. But those are the things. And here's the thing. Like you're asking, you know, yes, you can drive without insurance, but for here, for America, if Koti catch you, at least in the state I mean, if Koti catch you with no insurance, it means you're driving without coverage. Your ticket is high. You can suspend your license. And you know, go give if the insurance is three hundred and fifty dollars, you will not give Koti ten or twenty dollars for him to leave for them to leave you. If they catch you, they catch you because once they catch you, you know, they have computers in their car that is scanning almost every number plate that is driving by. Once they initiate a stop, their their cars start recording. A lot of times, they can give you a warning. If they give you a warning, they have to cite why they give you a warning. And that kind of stuff, and they let you go. So then you could say there's room for corruption, but no, nobody has ever asked for money, and I've never understood. More often than not, they also have a quota to fill, because they've done the status card analysis and they've said, say, in this stretch of road, you know, for the number of violations, you know, you have to stop this number of cars and get this number of tickets. And here's the thing: a lot of police departments depend on that quota to fund themselves. Yes. It's all police, you know, you cannot go stand and just let everybody go. They're expecting <laughs> you to bring in some income. You understand? And so, like, watch out. Say maybe you have a busted tail light, or say maybe you are driving erratically. No, watch One. And that's one thing, Charlie. Boys, is Charlie. Frustration and depression, you know, Charlie. You see, say them boys. Your race and uh, and so even the boys and man also your race and uh, naturally what's like a taxi maybe uber that kind of stuff so there are a lot of and 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 I'm, I'm talking specifically about not big city america i'm talking specifically about like mid city to say the smaller cities in the u.s um, places like columbus ohio places like st louis missouri Places like, you know, these small, small places you know, that are not New York City. You know, there's not really good public transportation systems. So more yeah. often than not, you, know, you for drive. And that is how they get you, you know, and that kind of stuff. So um, and once they get you, they've got you. And there's the thing. Once you get into the one thing about the U.S., listen, once you get into the system, now, it's almost like you start losing your benefit of the doubt. It is what you want. And remember when I say, say police, no, they're using scanners. So all the cars that are passing, you know, the, the radars are scanning it really quickly. And a lot of times, you know, the radar is popping up red flags. Oh, this guy has a warrant. Oh, boom, this guy might not might have unpaid tickets. Oh, boom, this guy is has a DUI arrest before. So then they are more likely to follow you again and try to get you again. And like it's like compounding. 
Who's your UDC cartoon compounding interest? I just was like compounding trouble. <laughs> you know? And, and so, like, once they see you, once you get into the system and they flag you now, a lot of times it's really difficult to for, for you to get into a situation where they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Every now and then you find people who are humanitarian who will help you. But more often than not, Charlie, Charlie, you don't realize that only on they will say Charlie. And a lot of times you can't blame them because they're a system. The system has yeah. made them the way they are, and that is what it is. And Charlie, Obroni of idea and check. Maybe I may I go tell you, like I'm a can they're not a take ten dash. If you catch you, you catch you, that be all. You don't go back, you don't know to talk to you. You know, and so for you, you know, more often than not, you're trying to stay on the right side and try not to get into because you know you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And here, you can't some of my Opa Pan Fred died and I've been on patrol. We do shimmer and one is a worship. <laughs> you know, but so more of it than not, you're trying to stay on the right side and staying on the right side. You know, it's expensive because you have to have income coming in on a regular to stay on the right side. You have yeah. to be doing stuff to get that in- income to stay on the right side. And so it's not, um, it's not hard to stay on the right side, but it's not easy. And to keep doing those kind of things, you know, it takes effort. Like Richard has been saying, a lot of effort and a lot of thinking through what your consequences and stuff i like to do that so hopefully i answered your question you know yes you have but you know just the insurance see me in ghana when i go to get insurance charlie comprehensive or third party comprehensive no it means if my car get accident you will come give me all the money that's all charlie whether nami call someone or who calls someone charlie we finish the once the accident happened no what happened police report okay this is the police report oh yeah three months later i get my money charlie no long plenty stress just the insurance alone is complicated enough so i, I can understand when you mentioned your premium was 500 dollars every three months i did a, a quick calculation and i realized that that's the premium i paid for the whole year <laughs> and you are paying every three months charlie no is you so i can understand i can understand how the money comes and yet the money goes so quickly <laughs> you know and you know the point you made about the quota is very true because i had an experience in, in new york new york i mean that's in manhattan and you know they have these police on foot like their job is just to give tickets you know parking tickets i think it is parking enforcement or something and we had a chance to, it was a it was somebody like us you know and from he was actually from africa he's not a black american he's an african who had migrated so when he saw us my myself and my a couple of my cousins we were, we were hanging out you know, then we, we, he, he approached us. We just he, sort of to advise us, kind of. And we were asking him the how the the payment system was, and he was like, his salary is sixty percent of the tickets that he brings in at the end of the month. <laughs> you know, and it tells you that somebody like that, you cannot go and turn the lecture. Let me give you some ten dollars and let me go because his whole salary for the month. Is dependent on how much he actually brings in. And, you know, yeah. There's no negotiation. Charlie, watch you, watch you. And it's one of the most, you know, something that we should actually adopt here in this country. But Charlie, Thank I wonder you. if they are, they are listening. You know. Anyway, so uh, we are we are gradually coming. We are creeping to an end. Uh, if I, I don't agree. I I don't agree that we should adopt that because that <laughs> leads to a lot of abuse, structural abuse. There are other ways uh-huh. to do that besides that. You another another time we could talk about that. But, but go ahead. <laughs> I hear. I hear. <laughs> So, I mean, we are, we are gradually creeping to a close. And if you have any question, put up your hand. I'll, I'll give you the floor to ask a question. We have about five minutes to go. Um, yeah. Richard, as we are wrapping up now, um, so the question, question is, um, one, are you planning on coming back? And if you do come back, 
what are you going to do differently now with the experience and exposure that you have got that you were not doing um, before you left? Um, my wife and I, uh, my wife knows that definitely I would love to relocate back to Ghana. Um, I married, she's not originally Ghanaian. She, she migrated from the Caribbean and she came. And um, I just want to live here and um, build professional experience and network and raise the family for some time. And I would love to return to Ghana in my, um, in my, in the, in my fifties, you know, early fifties. <laughs> yeah. It's, I want to, I would import the work ethics. It's very, um, one of the things that I would like to import and the technology um, aspect of how we do things here. They are very pacey. If white people are doing project management, it's project management. Like we start, these are the logistics for the project. These are the deadlines. Pa, 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 pa. In fact, like it was when I moved here that I saw that our leaders are, like, I don't, irrespective of the party you support, the leaders are bad. They are bad. It, it's, it's a fact. Whether ABC or ABC, they are bad. They make very bad decisions that when you move into a system that actually works, you sometimes think that, what is this? Some of the decisions they make, it doesn't, it doesn't make any economic sense and it doesn't help people. You understand? So it's something that I would like to um, reproduce in my own little way. You know, when I, when I, if I should come to Ghana in the next 15, 20 years to try and set something up. So, um, that is it. And if you want to come, what I would like to, you to know is that you have to develop a strong mentality. It's not easy here. It's not, you know, Abrochi is not the music clips we see. And it's not the summer, summer videos we see. As for summer, dear, we are tired. As a doctor, cry me a vacation. I'm okay. Like, I'm tired. I'm stressed, right? Because I'm very homesick. I was telling my wife today, she doesn't understand so much because she came when she was very young. She doesn't understand how it is nice to be in Ghana. Actually, Ghana is very nice. You don't know. I'm telling you, it's there's nothing like Sunday afternoons in Ghana anywhere in the world. After go to your church, go and sing after church, go and get your mutuo somewhere, you know, the weekend fun like i know doc is now a biker the way they, they go on road trips now i don't know it's only during vacation so with the uh with, with all these things and you have to psych yourself that i'm coming here to come and work and gain something and go back home until when you come here whatever you can do just do it if you are raising your family fine you give yourself maybe 10 15 years if you can buy a house it's very good you buy a house. If you don't have credible people in Ghana to look after things for you, save your money in investment or buy a landed property here. When you are going back home, you can sell it and take the money and go and buy a new house in Ghana or build. That's it. And then acquire more skills, right? If you're a medical doctor, a pharmacist, engineer, it is difficult for you to transition. I will not lie. You might not have it like you have it in Ghana. But if you're something like a data analyst, a policy analyst, a marketer, um, and all those um, and professions, tech-related professions, it is easier. I advise the friend who came to school in uh, Vancouver. 
He was so lucky because I have the information now. I helped him with the CV and everything. As soon as he came, he transitioned easily. His first job after two weeks, he got, a, he got an office job straight up because he has a prior experience in society general. And a couple of friends have been lucky. It might not be your, your, your case. So psych yourself up to deal with the social, economic, um, the social cultural deficiency. And then the rest, you'll be good. So if you want to come to school or if you want to use a, a nice route to come to Canada, I'll be there as to I'll be there to provide you with all the information. So I'll be back. And when I come back, it's the work ethics for me and then the value of family, like things that I didn't appreciate in Ghana. Now I really appreciate everything about Ghana. So that's what I'll be, yeah, that's what I'll be bringing home. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Papa, let's, let's, let's come to you. Let's wrap it up as well. Any, any final words to anybody watching who has joined us or who will be watching us later uh, regarding transitioning to the U.S.? Any, any, any good advice to come or not to come? Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'll start from our leaders and from where we are as a country and as a content sub-Saharan. You know, we, we normally don't understand that colonialism hasn't ended and that we are part of a larger block of uh, economic block, developmental block, if you want to do. If Ghana starts producing cocoa, it means Swiss workers cannot produce cocoa and make chocolate and be employed. So Switzerland is never going to allow Ghana to public, uh, develop cocoa to the level Switzerland is doing because it has economic implications for Switzerland. Our leaders need to understand this when they are negotiating with these folks. And like Richard said, you know, um, it cuts across. Um, it cuts across industries. Is it oil? Is it medicine? Is it whatever? On top of that, you know, uh, a lot of right now, a lot of the Western world, you know, like the US, Britain, and stuff, you know, um, they they are losing population, which means what um, somebody like Kufo set up, where doctors were going straight into practice right after that. You know, now, the more we let our doctors stay at home you know, and have the time to write medical exams to go outside, you know, the more likely people like the Britons and the US are going to scoop our doctors up. I think you made a post about, like, you know, the more doctors, the young doctors are leaving. You know, by 2030, people will have to learn how to solve and fix their own hernias. These are all implicated. These are all like we like to think that we are um, we are alone in this. We are not. We are part of a block, and we we have our place in that block economically. Our leaders need to think through how they're going to help us get out of there, because then that has implications for how we create job opportunities, how we develop our society, how we we do different things. Like if you don't travel and learn some of these things, a lot of times you don't understand it and you don't see how it impacts like young people like us coming away. Like Sub-Saharan Africa, and there are a few countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal. We are the only people who get excited when our young people leave to go build other people's countries. It shouldn't be like that. And I like that, but I'd have let those guys at CTFM talk about this. We should be trying ways to keep our young people back home to help us build our own societies. So that is a global story. Now it is what it is. It's here the challenge, man for survive, people for survive. If I want, if you have to leave, these are the tricks and these are the things. There are opportunities out here, but you have to be smart about how you are getting to them. And there are mega opportunities back home. 
It is frustrating. How do you go? Me, if I will come back home, it's just the simple, simple things. Let's do things right. It's not always Sisikano a hundred. Now you will be the only the fifty, never fifteen years. Maybe hundred ninia, because you will be shipping quite a bit. Because here's the thing: the wall you will go build, then the the burglar proof it won't save you. It won't save you. Because if the masses outside are not eating summer, you cannot be the only person eating. So those simple, simple things, when I talk to my friends in leadership positions, when I talk to people working, like, you know, setting up simple things, like, you know, the, the area boys who are playing football, there's nobody organizing them. Who is organizing them? This is avenues for jobs. Who is letting the watcher seller or the cocoa seller come and clean that place up and say, oh, mama, beton idea waha. Oh yeah, boys, he be prepper ha. I will be here clean. And so we are in ten cities. Ten cities now, but we are okay. Boys, Monday five cities. I'm from prepper. Okay, the ocean colano, kind colano. Oh, we are be quite a good input. You know, also DNA and that kind of stuff. It's really the simple, simple things. How do we do those simple things right to give ourselves a better chance at the negotiating table where we come and meet? Uh, the IMFs and the World Bank. So for me, you know, that was why a lot of us had hope in this current government. And to be honest, you know, sometimes we've been disappointed and sometimes they've done what they're supposed to do. They could do better. And so what we would say is we need to hold them accountable to help them do better. They are trying. But again, at the end of the day, they are part of a global context. And that global context, and if you go, you know, Charlie, no matter who you are, you know, because if you if you move up a certain rank, it means it's costing them jobs and money elsewhere, and you need to figure out how you're going to navigate that to be able to move your people forward and stuff like that. So that is what I'll tell people, and that is the feedback I have. Like, be smart about your choices. Don't just move because you got a visa and you're moving. Um, you got to be figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and what your vision and plan is in the forward. And Charlie. We are searching for money. Once the money comes, if it's yam chips, if it's hospital care, we are willing to invest. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> nice one, nice one, nice one, nice one. You know, um, but I think bottom line, and you made a, you you touched on it when you were speaking, Papa. I think that anybody who has a chance should actually travel out there and then decide for themselves that you know I've come, I've seen. Now let me go and build my own. Is because I think one of the challenges that we have is that most most of the people, uh, the masses who have never traveled before, they still see out there as the solution to their to their problems or to our problems. When indeed it's not the case, we have the power, we have the capacity to actually change, turn our own lives around. It's rather unfortunate that the, the narrative has been that they should go out there, and so uh, they, uh, when somebody actually gets a job in Ghana. They don't look at the job they have and make the most out of that opportunity. They are looking at gathering money and then, you know, shipping off. And so eventually they, they, they don't put their best foot in the job. The job doesn't actually amount to much and then it collapses. And when it collapses, it reinforces the view that indeed opportunities are out there. You see, so because all of us are, well, not me, but all of us are looking out there, we are ignoring the thing, the very thing that are going to help us build our own economy, including, I mean, it, it is it, from our leaders all the way down to the to the to the little the least person we all have that kind of mindset i mean i'm speaking personal experience let me just share a quick personal experience before before we wrap up so i have a product that i that i produce i mean my company processes some food items and i i typically we go to the shops and merchandise 
One time I was in a shop myself, merchandise, and somebody comes in, you know, picks the pack, very impressive, you know, we, we, are, we engage in the conversation and then turns the back and sees that product of Ghana and immediately puts the product down. And I'm like, why? He said, if it's Ghana product, then it's not, it's, 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 it's not a good product, you know. But before the guy had actually seen that it was a Ghana product, he was excited about how somebody had packaged yams, you know, how brilliant was that. Just when they saw that it's made in Ghana, he dropped it. And that's actually the mindset that is keeping us at the bottom. So everything coming out of Ghana is considered not good enough. It is something that needs to change. And there's a lot of drive towards that. And I believe that we can turn things around if our leadership actually got on board. So yes, a lot rely, a lot depends on our leaders, but a lot also depends on us and our mindset. So I like how Richard kept mentioning mindset and mentality. So guys, if you have been on this call and you have been excited by it, I mean, I, I, I have learned a lot. And if you have also learned a lot, please go ahead and drop a comment or something, encourage the people, encourage everybody. And let's let's make sure that we take something out of here and go out there and have a fabulous time. This feed is also live on Facebook and on YouTube, go ahead and share it as well with your friends. Let everybody join in. Let everybody um, have a go at it. And let's start a conversation about how we can improve our Ghana <laughs> whilst, of course, grabbing opportunities from out there because, hey, they, they are far. Let's go and learn from them and come and improve our our lives back here. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, um, and Papa, for being here, for sharing with us. I'm very excited about what, what we've achieved here today. Thank you, Evita, for the comment. Very informative. Yes, it has been very informative. So let's go out and have a fabulous week. See you again next two weeks. We are going to do another session of the Impact Series. Have a fabulous time. Stay blessed. Peace. Peace.